Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back for another mid-game week podcast at the end of Easter weekend as well. I was off this week, just gone. Thanks for all the birthday messages. I'm 33 years old now, so not the young whippersnapper I was when we first started doing this five years ago. Unfortunately, it wasn't the best of birthdays for me as I tested positive for COVID on the day itself. So it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy one, that's for sure. Lots of lying around on the sofa. But luckily, I've been vaccinated repeatedly and the jabs have done their job. It's been mild uh, compared to obviously what it could have been if I got the OG. Still a very, very slight kind of line, unfortunately, which means it's still kind of positive. So it means I'm still indoors and I just say sorry for any random coughing or if my voice does sound a bit odd today. Joined by Harry again. You're right, mate. Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Finally, I feel like I can come on and talk about a good game week, although I don't feel like it's been good enough for you to cheer you up after your illness, but glad to hear you are you're back feeling a little bit better than you were last week. Thank, Thank you me. again, listeners joining. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom at WGTA underscore FPL. You can find me at FPL underscore Harry. Today, we'll do the usual bits. Game week update from Tom and I, and then mini league update and market forces. And then we'll be doing a bit of a tactical sort of look towards the end of the season, focusing on the new confirmed game week 34 after the FA Cup results for Chelsea and Manchester United. We'll be having a little look forward to 36 and 37 as well with that. Yeah, and this who's coming onto the radar really for us as managers as the season does push towards its conclusion. Uh, we won't do the break after um, the main section, have a question section at the end. I think we'll push right the way through after the first break, just because all of the questions understandably are about double game week 34 and stuff. And we'll organically kind of cover them. Just to say, of course, it is Monday the 18th of April. Only six fixtures have actually been pl- been played thus far with the second half effectively of the game week to come uh, later on this week. So I don't know yet how Liverpool beat Man United 8-0. I don't know yet how we managed to beat Chelsea 3-1 somehow. Um, but hey, there we go. Let's see how we've gotten on thus far. And uh, Harry, as you said, he did very well. And the difference really has been uh, one man, hasn't it? 
It has been that man, Cristiano Ronaldo, who came in and captain close to the deadline, 34 points with a game left. And actually the other bit being Veghorst, I think I decided to keep faith. Effectively, I wasn't sure really what I wanted to do and I wasn't particularly keen on my team. So all I really wanted to do this week was hold rank. And my decision was, okay, my best chance of holding rank is to put out as many fixtures as I possibly can. Um, rather than, you know, moving Odegaard to another doubler, which was possible, moving Barnes, who I didn't think would start both, moving Veghorst on to just actually try and maximise the amount of fixtures that I could possibly get out. Because I thought that put, gave me the best chance of holding rank. So Watkins was always going to make way. And the only other single game week players I had were Kane, Salah, and then the double Liverpool defence. Kane was never going to go. Salah was never going to leave. And nor was Trent. So it really left Watkins and Robertson, who then made way for Shah who's the only defender I could afford. And then Ronaldo came in up front, captain, 53 points so far. I think if you don't own Ronaldo and Veghorst, you're staring a lot of ones and twos apart from that. Yeah, imagine being in that position. Oh, wait a minute. I am. I am, Harry. I am. I love points. I really love appearance points because that is literally all I've got thus far this week is 15 uh, from, well, I say kind of you know, around sort of over half my team has played. I think I've got nine fixtures remaining, but yeah, around the Arsenal triple up of uh, Ramsdale, Saka and Martinelli. Somehow Saka didn't score. Fraser Forster in absolutely inspired form there. Kulisevsky and Kane and Spurs had an anemic sort of off day. And Barnes are surprising, or maybe not, uh, rest uh, well, rest rotation, whatever. He hasn't been performing very well. And Zan Martin was very negative about him. And Chris Wood uh, with the blank as well. Uh, Chris Wood did end up getting my captaincy. So last week we were talking about how underwhelming this double game week it was on paper. And it has turned out to be that way if you don't know Cristiano Ronaldo or something like that. But I did Laporte because I said I was looking for a Man City player, a Man City defender, that is. I got him in for... Matt Doherty. And I sold Veghorst for Wood because, well, you know, um, it, it kind of made sense really just to go for a player who had two home games um, against teams that were, well, Leicester in particular, particularly vulnerable to aerial threats, aerial ch- chances, or headed chances, set-piece chances. And I thought, well, I'll give that a go um, at home. Newcastle have play- been playing okay. I haven't been ripping up trees or anything, but they've been playing okay. So I thought that was worth it. But sadly, it's not quite worked out in the first game uh, with the blank. Uh, but the Crystal Palace game, hopefully, will he'll match Ronaldo. No, no, he won't. But I was thinking to myself, he scores 10 goals a season, right? So he scored five thus far. And you know what? The last time he scored a hat-trick was around this time of the season. I think it was kind of game week, I think it was game week 34 last year. So I thought, you know what? You know, these things have a funny way of repeating themselves, but sadly it didn't quite happen this time. I captained him because I had no better option in my team. I was going to captain Kane, uh, who did blank. So it's, it's really even Stevens there. Um, and yeah, Veghorst scoring. That's just my negative variance again, I think. I mean, watching the highlights, I don't regret selling the guy at all. I like, did offered absolutely nothing and scored a rebound. Um, but woof, woof. What, what can you do when that sort of thing happens? So yeah, you know, another week where I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm just glad I didn't take a hit. I've got loads of players still to come, so hopefully that's not going to be the overall story of the week. (sighs) Moving on to the Mini League update. Quite a few people have done well, mainly because they've brought in and captain Cristiano Ronaldo or had one there free hit. Um, Up top, Hakon Mangasnez is still holding on his XL11. Unfortunately, it's just the 12 points of Hakon this week, uh, which means that people are beginning to get a little bit closer to him, but he's still... 
the guts of almost 20 points ahead of a second Joachim Lengroff, Artin Nista, 16 points only for Joachim this week, uh, Fernandes captain, uh, brought in Shah like you. In third, the brothers Grimsby, Chris Turner, all the way up from eighth to third, 50 points minus four. Any guesses who he's got? Yes, it's Cristiano Ronaldo as his captain. That pushes Troy Hope, lucky profit, down to fourth, 22 points for him. Captain Wood for him as well. He brought in Sancho too, but Captain Wood over Sancho, interestingly. Um, in fifth, staying where he is, it is what it is. Steve Jones, 39 points on his free hit. Captain Fernandez, unfortunately for him. In sixth, Sam McAfee, Santiago Munez. Very, very good uh, debut pod, actually, um, on the FPL surgery recently. Uh, captain Ronaldo and Fernandez uh, as his vice captain on, on his free hit as well as 51 points for Sam, up from 11th to 6th. And 7th, the special one, Oliver uh, Oisen Kerwan. I'm so sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I don't know how to pronounce that. I really looked that up. Uh, 49 minus 4, again, it's Ronaldo. And he brought in Ronaldo too and brought in Telesh, who got the assist as well that means there's some red arrows for some, for some other guys here so I love Lamptey Brett Taylor 20 points with Bruno Fernandes captain in ninth Ryan Andrews Ryan Mackey down from 7th to 8th 24 points for him this week and in 10th Bruno number 1 James Coe uh, both Ryan and James captain Saka and can count themselves incredibly unlucky about that and we'll definitely talk about Arsenal and what's going on with uh, with Saka in particular um, later on and I think that's actually quite a nice segue onto the market force isn't it Harry because he is the most sold player as it stands. Yeah, so if we start with transfers out this week, Saka coming in first. We've got Doherty coming in second again, as you'd expect with the injury, but then you've got Lacazette coming in third. So a bit of a shift away from those high-owned Arsenal attackers who have failed to return for quite a number of weeks now. They go into a Manchester United fixture in 34, West Ham away in 35 before was probably... An okay double of Leeds at home and then the London derby. It's not looking that great for them. You've also got Kane coming in fourth, which I thought was quite interesting, a blank this week. But given the amount of points that they've been returning recently, I'm surprised. But if we look at the most transferred in players, I think it's quite obvious where those Kane transfers are likely to be going. Yeah, Ronaldo... Hat trick, um, and that has meant people have kind of seen enough. The thing is, and I think that this is completely true and speaks to the fact that the majority of people now are engaged managers. The numbers of transfers that have been made thus far are very restrained. I mean, Saka has topped the transfers out, but he's only got 35,000 sales. Mount is top transfers in, he's only got 43,000 buys. They aren't loads of moves that have been made at the moment. I think that. It is a bit of a false read, I guess. But as I said, Mount top at the moment, 43k transfers in. Definitely had to talk about him in just a bit, given the, the, the news we spoke about a second ago. In second, Timu Puki, 5.9 million, 35,000 transfers in. On the look at the Ford Puki, actually, I mentioned him a little bit too. Uh, in further now, though, as I mentioned, 23k. And then, you know, Reese James, Ivan Tony, these sorts of characters, just over the 10k mark for transfers in. So at the moment, very reactionary and just kind of not, the complete picture. We'll see more about um, how things go based on probably Wednesday's transfer fixes, which I think will be more telling about where things are. And for example, the likes of Veghorst um, after the, the Southampton game probably won't be of that much interest to people. So he could be another player who does get sold quite uh, by, by quite a few more players uh, fairly soon. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and main topic this week. I mean, we're going to be going with kind of a tactical approach for the next couple of weeks, I think, just because of how things are and quite a meaty kind of pair of game weeks and and quite a lot to talk about, which is quite procedural, given the fact that our teams have all looked one way. We've got things like chips being deployed now um, and people building up to certain chips as well. So uh, 36 looking like the big bench boost week certainly will be for me and people have started wielding things like wild cards free hits and things like that as I mentioned earlier on we are only halfway uh, through double game week 33 at the moment so a lot of stuff could possibly change between now and uh, the end of the week I'm just hoping uh, throwing my caveat in that there's gonna be no big injury or no sort of sudden rug pulling announcement which changes what we know um, but hey there we go um, but good question to kick us off with uh, Chris Noll so question for the pod what are the best players to target on the wild card given double game week 34 36 and 7 double Chelsea Liverpool double City double Palace am I thinking King, can you please do all the hard work for me? <laughs> and Harry, you're um, you know, in the situation you've been threatening to talk about your wild card for a while. Have we hit that point? I think that you were saying earlier you weren't completely sure whether you're going to pull it after being fairly certain. Where are you at the moment with it? I was fairly certain that I would play it this week. The only reason that I wouldn't play it this week is if I played my free hit instead. Um, and the reason for that is we'll get on to talk about Chelsea a little bit in a bit more detail in a minute. But I really like Chelsea assets this week and, you know, the odd Manchester United asset this week as well. But from game week 35, if I could have one Chelsea asset and no Manchester United from 35 onwards, I think that's the way that I would like to go. So a 35 wild card looks very nice just because I think there's going to be a lot of rotation for your Chelsea guys and a You don't really want those Manchester United guys unless they're playing in a double, which made me think, okay, is there a chance that the free hit comes out in 34 to load up on Chelsea, who I don't currently have any of in my team anyway. So I couldn't just use transfers. I'd have to free hit them in, free hit a few Manchester United. And then in my wildcard in game week 35, I could load up on more Manchester City guys for their run in. But a little bit would depend on where Manchester City's run in would fall and where their double goes. It seems a pretty 50-50 split right now. Mm. I'm hoping to hear this week where it's going to go. But I tried to pull together a free hit team earlier. And I'm basically free hitting. The difference between that free hit team and the wildcard team that I would put together is probably Ronaldo and De Gea. It's about the only major differences that could give me big swings of points, which yeah. is not really worth the use of a chip. So I think I'm back on back on wildcard this week but I think it's quite interesting that because I'm on wildcard this week so I'm sort of focusing on what are the best luxury assets that I can get to really propel me yeah I suppose you are the opposite side of the coin where you're trying to get the main focus we've kind of got both sides of the coin with I think most listeners will fall into either my camp or your camp over the next few weeks yeah, I mean, I'm focusing on just making acquisitions which have long-term value now. And obviously with Chelsea having won uh, that semi-final against Crystal Palace, you're now straight away confronted with a double game week. And it, there's definitely rising interest in Chelsea because of that immediate double. And also, as was implied in Chris's question, um, the double in 36. And also just kind of a generally okay run-in. It's not bad at all. After the double, we've got Everton away, Wolves at home, uh, Leeds away, uh, Leicester at home and Watford at home. And you know, there's, we have quite a few questions on them. So Karim Tizer, he asks who are the three best Chelsea players for a double and asks, is, is Werner an option now? Uh, FPL banger, triple Chelsea defence. Is there a, a kind of a, a case for that? 
FPL Architect asks, how many hits would you take for Chelsea players this week? And uh, FPL Jamie finally says that Mount and Havertz would be on everyone's lips. That's probably one thing we could mention here. But he also asks about the Tushel Tombola. He says that double game week 36 is just before the FA Cup final. And so is it best to only double up on Chelsea now and allow for different assets in 36-37? So Man City players, for example, who would definitely come on to... Starting with Chelsea, though, Harry, would you be looking at tripling up? Would you be looking at doubling up? Do you feel that, I guess, in, in your position, is I guess you go for it. But for long-term value, do you think it's... Who, who would you be aiming at? Yeah, so before I answer what I'm going to do with my team and discuss that, I think I tried to put together sort of a rotation planner where I looked at where I thought, you know, the odd player getting rotated in one game to another is very difficult to predict. But if I try and look at the games for Chelsea, where I think there's going to be sort of, we might see mass rotation, like rotation that's going to be a problem for sort of people with triple ups, for example. The next three games for Chelsea are still very important. Arsenal, West Ham, Manchester United, all of which in theory are still in the race for sort of top four or top six, West Ham, maybe a push to say they're in the race for top four, but Arsenal and Manchester United as well definitely are. So I think the next three games, we could easily see a fairly full strength Chelsea team playing all three of those with maybe the odd player missing out in one game. That's including the Arsenal game, which falls into the second half of game week 33. Of course, we can't do anything about those players now. But after game week 34, I look at Everton and think that's come after that three busy scheduled games that could easily be a point of rotation. Then Wolves and Leeds that come in game week 36. Leeds is the one that comes about three days before that FA Cup final. And again, to me, that Everton game away at Everton and that Leeds away game scream rotation worries for me. So I think people going heavy on Manchester on Chelsea going into game week 34 is fine, but I do think they need to realise the risk that for a lot of the assets that we want to own going into game week 36, it's likely to be a single game week for them. You know, a, a front three in the FA Cup of Werner, Havertz, Mount, that looks like our front three at the moment. Ziyech, Lukaku, Pulisic against Leeds is very realistic that there's a complete rest and that we see Saul playing at wing back. We see Loftus-Cheek playing at wing back. It's very possible that there is wholesale rotation in at least one of these games to come but I don't see it particularly happening in game week 34 I see it coming 35 and 36 onwards so for me wildcard I'll go triple up on them and I don't have a doubt about that but I will likely sell at least one of them before game week 36 because although that doubles good on paper I think it's likely to be a single game week for most of those heavy assets that we'll want to own yeah Okay, interesting. I think I, I, from that, what they seem to be is a team that's heavily desirable to have free players in the short term. But I guess we're not. There's no. There's no longer a long term. But over the medium term, towards the end of the season, then you probably want to go down to two, um, and probably, you know, as you said, be mindful around the fact that like, <laughs> oh, game week thirty six for the bench boost. That's just going to be absolute disaster isn't it for so many people including me um, but it definitely feels like uh, yeah we, we may see some more temperamental starts appearances from players as we get further closer to that FA Cup final I probably think that I agree with you and that I'd be 
looking to bring in at least one more. I, I own Rudiger at the moment, so probably be looking to bring in one more. I could bring in two, um, and I've got a bit of a question about that, which I'll ask you in just a sec. But I mean, starting with the defence, I mean, FPR Banger says triple Chelsea defence. Ask whether that would be something that we'd be thinking about. As, as always, with every triple defence, it's a huge gamble, it's a huge gambit, but you could be proven absolutely right you could be an absolute genius i mean you could get that kind of vaunted 36 point baseline from a double clean sheet times three what a world that would be um it could happen you never know and chelsea are the second best defense in the premier league just above liverpool for sgc uh, but it's even stevens between the two clubs effectively so in some metrics so chelsea are third and others uh, they're second but it's clear this is an elite defense in terms of goal involvement james is joint fifth for expected goal involvement open play that is alonso is an eighth and rudiger is in 14th over the course of the season rudiger obviously has the best minutes now he's made 28 starts this year then and Thiago Silva still powering those old legs of 22. Then Alonso and Aspilicueta on 18 starts. And Rudiger is the best for bonus amongst the defenders. I, I guess James is probably the standout, isn't he, Harry? Um, and then you're kind of looking at Rudiger for the minutes, usual sort of stuff alongside that. I'm looking at Alonso for myself just because I can't afford James. I mean, are there any def- of the defenders? Is it kind of that rough hierarchy of... James, Rudiger, whoever. Yeah, so I think the double is not great from a defensive point of view. It's possible that we were to keep two clean sheets, but we've conceded a few goals here and there over the past few weeks that I think two clean sheets is probably unlikely. And if you are trying to find the attacking threat as well, it's probably a good benefit to going with the likes of James or Alonso. Of course, Rudiger is the one I would say is about a 90% chance that he starts both games and is the most confident outside of Mendy to start both games. Now, I have looked at Mendy on a wild card, but I don't imagine many people are looking to make goalkeeper transfers now. So f- for this week, if I was looking to bring one in, again, Rudiger's probably the safest. And again, if we look at 36, if we put that in there as well, it's probably the one that I think has a chance of starting both games. So you could easily get four games or all five for Rudiger over the foreseeable future. Of course, Saar could come in. The fullbacks, Reese James, the only slight concern I think a lot of people are having is he's been deployed at sort of a third centre-back with actually Azpilicueta playing on the right wing-back over the past couple of games. And we saw it a bit at the end of last season. It tends to happen when there are big threats playing up front or playing on that left-hand side that Azpilicueta at centre-back or Chalaber at centre-back cannot deal with. And we've seen both Azpilicueta against Real Madrid and we saw Chalaber against Liverpool really struggle with some of those pacey wingers. So he's decided to put Reese James in there. I don't see that being a massive problem if Sancho plays on the left potentially, but I don't see that really being an issue over the next few. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. James definitely comes in first for me in assets, just because I feel like the rotation was there because we needed him in those big games against Madrid. If they're not there, I expect him to start the majority of our sort of strong first 11 games between now and the end of the season. Alonso, I find it so difficult with him. He's been through such good and bad form with us. And I, as a fan, I'm one of his biggest critics. So I find it difficult with Alonso, but he's so much cheaper than the rest, right? And I think he's fine for a short-term punt. But if you look at 36, for example, I think the chance of Alonso starting both games is pretty low. And if he wanted to go for a bit more defensive option against Manchester United, for example, Alonso is probably the defender that is going to be first to drop out of that. So I think Alonso 
has comes with the biggest risk. But I think over the 34, 35 timeframe, he's probably okay. But if you can get up to Reese, yeah. it's where I'd go. But Alonso, I, I worry still with that Saar's going to get a game in a in a back four, for example, or or something like that. But if Alonso does start both, then he's if I knew all our defenders were going to start both games, I'd probably put Alonso above Reese James. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, no Thiago. He's got decent bonus generation, for example. Again, it's just his, his aging legs. Christensen's not been great when he's tried to fill in for him, but again, two games a week is is a lot for him, and we're starting to see that more and more that he's struggling with the the schedule congestion that we've got. So again, he'll be wanted for the FA Cup final. So again, that means I don't see him starting all the games in the build up to that. He could be okay short term, but it's you're asking for trouble with him. So I, it really is the three that we've mentioned in Rudiger, Alonso, Reese. If you are chasing then I would go with the fullbacks 100%. I'd go Alonso probably first and then Reese because a lot of people will be going with Reese. If you're wanting a bit of a safer pick, then Rudiger jumps up the list, I think. Yeah, all right. We'll see. I mean, I think that the problem I've got and the problem a lot of people might have is that Reese is just that tiny bit more expensive than your yeah. average defender. And that means that the choices that you've got to make to fit him in are a bit more painful. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Midfielders-wise, it's probably going to be between Mount and Kai Havertz, isn't it? Um, in terms of the minutes, it is uh, Mount and Jorginho, actually, who've had the most minutes for Chelsea midfield. Mount's actually got 144 points now. Three more points, and that's his best ever points total in FPL. Um, he's, only been va- he's only been active for two seasons. It's amazing, really, how quickly these players become part of the furniture, isn't it? Because he just uh, assumed he's been around yeah. forever. No, no, Frank Lampard's boy, wasn't he? Um, and predictably, because he's had the minutes, uh, Mason has the best XGI amongst Chelsea mids and forwards. I think he looks like the obvious, obvious pickup, right? But there is that Kai Havertz character hanging around. It looks like it looks like he's kind of ousted Lukaku as the top choice centre forward. But as you said rotation hell, the social tombola, that could mean that Havertz could be a bit of a trap. Could he? I, I agree. And I think people see Havertz playing up front and they think Havertz is a striker, right? He's the one to go with. Playing out of position, he will play up front. He will score more goals as a result. I don't think it's as clear cut as that. And I think it's pretty clear that he is now our first choice striker and Lukaku not always even coming on unless we're sort of pretty clear through on games. And we could see his form in the last five minutes of the FA Cup where he managed to miss an open goal from about three yards out, but he's not going to be starting in any game where we are needing a result out of it. And Kai will be given that. So I would still probably favor Kai just because I think he's a that bit more explosive because of the position he's playing. But I do think Werner comes into the fray as well and is definitely be worth talking in the conversation about him because again, he seems to be have taken up that third forward spot alongside Mount and alongside Havertz and Tuchel's spoken really positively about him recently about how he's taken his chance in the team about how Lukaku didn't take his chance in the team and Werner's stepped up and shown the performances in recent weeks that we've all been that we've all been waiting for interestingly in that interview he mentioned that Stamford Bridge doesn't suit Werner and he wonders if that's played part of the problem because of the pitch size and how enclosed the stadium is that Werner doesn't feel he's got the room to exploit his pace, whereas at Wembley it's a bigger pitch and it's not as enclosed from the fans. Tuchel mentioned that he felt that a couple of the away games that he's performed well in has, has, has helped him because of that. Now, how that impacts him going forward, I don't know. Maybe he just needed it as a boost of confidence. But there are no forwards for us to pick 
really there's a couple that people are looking at like Pookie for example but could Werner be that other one to go with because we've all got Veghorsts in our teams got Chris Wood captaincy in our teams it seems where so you're looking mainly in midfield but Werner's definitely got to be in with a shout now but he is the most rotation prone out of those because Pulisic, Ziyech they're not Lukaku sort of territory they are definitely wanting a place in that team and it would be Werner that drops out for me so He's probably the most rotation risk still. Yeah, uber differential, 1.9% owns. But as you said, that rotation threat means it's not viable in terms of looking for a long-term solution. If you're looking for a one-week pump before you wildcard in 35 or in a free hit, I definitely would be considering TMA Werner, that's for sure. Um, 8.6. He's If you own Lacazette, then perhaps he'd be an option for you to move across to. If you wanted to, for some reason, get rid of Kane or Ronaldo, then he'd be an option to move down to. It's just a bit of an awkward price tag, given how teams at the moment are set up and given where you'd have to take away to purchase Werner. Uh, going back to Karam's question overall, in terms of kind of the three best Chelsea players, I think in an ideal world, I would go for Rudiger, Reese, and Mason Mount. I think that that's the obvious three, but sometimes it's just horses for courses and it depends what you can afford and what you're looking to afford. And as I said earlier on, like, all right, I can get Reese James, but the way I do it would be to sell Robertson and I've, I kind of want to sell Barnes for Mount or maybe for Foden or something like that. But if I get Reese James, then I can't afford either of those players. So that's when it starts to get a bit tough, I think. And I suppose there's even there's a bit more of a question about that too, because if you're buying in these Chelsea players, they're not cheap enough that you can make the move straight away. And um, some players do have to be sold off uh, players you do have to take to kind of fit these players in so for example you saw Robertson this week um, and I'm looking at selling Robertson ahead of next week as he's the only way for me to get to a Chelsea double up in defence I think rather than selling a cane or something I've still got the same number of games but that, that still feels a bit I don't know it feels a bit dodgy mate doesn't it yeah if I had to if I had to rank my Chelsea assets for a safe manager who's pretty happy with where they are, as you said, it'd be Rudiger, Reese, and Mason Mount. If I had to go and put in a bit of explosive, Alonso would replace Rudiger, and maybe you'd go for Havertz over, over Mount. But I, I agree in your situation, selling Robertson for James over the long term is just not something I can get behind. Between now and the end of the season, who would you probably expect to score more points? Robertson and Liverpool have looked in such good form. I don't necessarily think I see that much rotation for them. I think Klopp's going to push and push them between now now and the end of the season to get every little last ounce to try and win the quadruple. So I don't see that much for him. And I think short term, you might like the double for Rhys James, but Liverpool at home to Everton this week could easily match what you're going to get from Rhys James. You mentioned a few times that you're you're considering Foden, which I think is an interesting one. We look at Manchester City, that yes, on paper, people see single, single, so the rotation's not there. But of course, they do have two Champions League ties, in theory, to go with the Game Week 34 fixture and Game Week 35 fixture as well. So it feels like there could be a risk to go with him as well. But that Watford at home fixture is just as appealing as a Chelsea double Game Week, that is for sure. Yeah, I think in of itself, that could do the job. And Dave Cedar FPL said about Man City mid, he'd love an idea of which one would be of interest. I think the answer is 
any of the ones who are active in terms of Foden, Sterling, Mares, Kevin De Bruyne, Nigel World uh, would be straight into your team injury permitting. And I think there's maybe there could be a decent alternative to the Chelsea midfielders just because, I mean, as you're right, like, although the games that Chelsea have in terms of having that double, that one game for Man City against Watford, that, that could be an absolute heyday. And a good research done by Andrew Garrow on Twitter showed that Foden has played 100% of the games he's been available for against the lower half from bottom five teams. So even just one game, he could be worth lumping in on. I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, Burnley-esque 5-0 donation for Man City. I mean, I, I was very, very keen to get in the Man City defender this week. Ended up with uh, Laporte over Cancelo just because of the price difference. But I, I, I feel like in the rush for Chelsea, we could perhaps overlook Man City's midfielders to some extent. I mean, yes, I know there's an immediate double, but City are still City at the risk of making an incredibly prosaic and awful point, which I really hate myself for saying. But nonetheless, it's true. And their run-in is, is just really good. If we're saying that Chelsea are going to be rotation threats, apart from the immediate kind of future, surely that's the same for City. Therefore, it would be better to go for a team that are able to afford you that kind of level of explosion and do have better fixtures. That's why I was looking at Foden, thinking I could bring him in and captain him. Um, as an alternative to Mount. Yeah, well, what's actually quite interesting is I think Chelsea propose a good option short term. And actually, for me, Man City a big risk short term. But actually, from 36 onwards, I think there's quite a nice shift away from Chelsea going into Manchester City. So if you are going heavy on Mount, for example, I think Mount to Foden, for example, in 36 could be a very popular move because 36, 37, 38, we know that Manchester City will play Newcastle, Wolves, West Ham, Aston Villa in some order, in some double game week arrangement. But they have nothing else to play for over that time. That is after the semi-finals of the Champions League take place before game week 36. So they have four games, which in theory will be them clinching the title. And there will be no need for Pep to rotate over that there's no need in on paper, but actually this season Pep's rotated his team a lot less than I think we've seen in the past. So I yep. quite like the idea of a, a Manchester City option going from 36, 37, 38, especially I think two or three going in that run is great because they will know that if as soon as they drop a single point, Liverpool will be there ready to take the title off them. So short term, I think Watford and Leeds, I'm a bit 50-50 about whether I want Foden and whether I just go Mount just for the sort of minutes that I know I'm going to get from him over those games. And then I look to Foden in sort of 36, 37. But I think if I had to predict between now and the end of the season, if I was bringing one in and just holding them, I think I'd probably go with Foden over over Mount despite having the additional fixture. Is that the positive information that you needed from me? Yeah, I think it's more about this kind of, you're looking at it, as you said earlier on, it's, it's, it's two sides of the coin, isn't it? And for me, it's about that long-term value in terms of making that transfer. And although, yeah, you could have like some sort of, admittedly this week, for example, I did bring in Chris Wood, thinking, yeah, I'm going to own him for two weeks and then into 35, move him on for Pookie. I've already kind of got a transfer booked in. But the more of these that I start to build up, the more it starts to become quite difficult to navigate the end of the season. And if they are both like assets, they're both playing for teams that we'd characterise as copers a few weeks ago. Both teams are going to be professional enough to see it through, unlike my team and uh, 
the, the other team in North London. Um, I, I think that they're both players who offer very similar sort of level of kind of fresh everywhere. It's just that sort of upside in terms of the fixture for Foden this week. And just in general for Man City, as you said, there's a tranche of four fixtures towards the end. And I just think that having two, having three as the season ends, when all they're going to be doing is trying to win, grind out games, which they've done in the past, um, just to make sure of their title. Um, it's going to be well worth owning, um, players so why not just have that investment done now um especially if i do have end up with you know in the lonzo character or someone like that towards towards the bottom end um and but you're right on selling um robertson for example i mean obviously we, we haven't seen my night game um, at the time of recording so this could be all uh, uh all obsolete by them but yeah it, it just doesn't there's definitely a bit of um discomfort on selling Robertson I'm sure that would be the same for you as well but you kind of we were doing it you obviously you've got your payoff this week I feel like if I did it I'd just have the opposite given my luck yeah I did it knowing that I'd buy him back again this week pretty much was the only reason I thought I thought selling him but yeah I've, I actually put a poll out that asks who will score more between now and the end of the season Mount or Foden and this is a similar thing if you do Robertson versus James and I think people are very short term in their thinking that the majority of them, I think it's about 70, sort of 60, 70% of them have put that they think Mount will outscore. Again, that's because of the double game week this week. And what I would generally say is that if you're buying into a Chelsea asset this week means that you will take an additional minus four further down the line. I'm not sure I think it's that worth it given the double that they have. Again, like for example, as we're talking, do I think Reese James or Robertson scores more points between now and the end of the season? I'd probably go Robertson. Foden, I'd probably back over Mount between now and the end of the season. So yes, you can, again, it's this short term. Normally we talk about it, we spoke about it a lot when we're looking at Burnley's, Watford's, that it's great to be dragged into a double game week for these teams. But actually, even with Chelsea, I think there's going to be rotation for them further down the line, which is going to be an absolute pain for a lot of managers to own. That if you do have that call, yes, short term, you might feel a little bit of pain for not having your Reese James or your Mount. But long term, between now and the end of the season, that Liverpool-Manchester City title race, whereas you've got that Chelsea focus on the FA Cup, just means I think there's enough doubt in my mind that I wouldn't go hurtling in, taking hits to go and buy two or three Chelsea assets for this week, knowing that they're going to cause me an issue further down the line. We're lacking clarity a bit, aren't we now? Because if things start to get a bit thorny, because obviously we know that there's all these games left to play, but if you infuse this sort of uh, lens of motivation that we spoke about yes they are copers yes they're able to do that but realistically you're going to finish third and the FA Cup is probably your main way or it is your main way of having something from the season which has turned into a season transition as well as Abramovich's era ends and in May you get a new one so it doesn't really help, does it? And what also doesn't help is the fact that you've got a few clubs in the kind of the jokers category, the clubs who are on the beach uh, potentially or are focusing elsewhere. One that I think is just worth mentioning here is Leicester. We'll come on to chokers, on to Arsenal and Spurs in just a second, by the way. But I just want to mention Leicester because loads of people obviously have Barnes and Madison. This week in the first game, both of them were benched. We may see in the second game, of course, things, fortunes turn around. But for me, I'm a bit concerned that that's the sign of things to come with them, despite their 36, for example, looking very alluring with Everton and Norwich. 
they really aren't looking fantastic. And they didn't look great against Newcastle to the eye. And that's backed up by the stats. So they're third from bottom for open play XG over the last six game weeks. Their season, I think, in the Premier League has fizzled out. And Norwich, for example, the game that we're all looking at and thinking, yeah, oh, that's going to be a nice, juicy game for Vardy and Co. You look at that and Norwich are doing better than them on expected goals. Hmm. Barnes would be the player that I'd be selling for Foden or for Mount. And before kind of this game, and I guess kind of when I first was planning this, I kind of saw Barnes as being one of those players who'd be kind of completely ring-fenced. You know, there's no, this guy is coming in, he's staying for the rest of the season, he's got all these games, Leicester are going to be kind of trying to at least make the Europa League or something like that, because I think they weren't too far off, or at least it was like nine points with their games in hand, they could make it up. And But it just seems like they've gone from being important components to our team to being potentially disposable parts, doesn't it? And I, I just kind of feel like they're, a team that, although they've got games, they're not a team that is particularly investable. Yeah, I agree. And it's not that they're investable because they're not scoring points, but they're playing for someone like you could look at James Will Prowse of Southampton that people looked at this week that was investable because you know you're going to get minutes from him, but he's not getting the returns. Whereas Leicester, again, with those four fixtures that they've got in 36 and 37 combined, I think you'd be very lucky to get three starts from any of your Leicester assets that aren't Schmeichel going into that week, which means, again, I would be very happily selling Harvey Barnes. And actually, I think when Harvey Barnes has played recently, I think most Leicester fans would agree that he's he's definitely not shown the form recently that he's maybe yeah. shown in previous weeks, which if he was scoring goals when he did get the minutes, that would be absolutely fine. And maybe we'd have a different conversation but I don't think there's even that much from them. And Norwich could still be fighting for their lives going into that fixture against Leicester. And actually, I'm looking at it from the other side and thinking, okay, that's actually quite a nice double game week for Norwich of West Ham at home, Leicester away. Timo Pukki at 5.9 playing against a team that's still focused on their European commitments in West Ham against a Leicester team who don't seem to be caring that much about the Premier League, that actually I'm looking to target some of those fixtures from the opposite side of the coin so especially with Villa and Tottenham in the next two I think it offers an easy way to maybe sell some of your Leicester guys Madison and Barnes to the likes of Mason Mount or Phil Foden feels like a very sensible sensible way to go but I mentioned briefly there Timo Pukki are we seeing a forward that we can finally finally invest in this season Yep, I mean, he was the one that I was planning to move Wood on to eventually. He's actually second for expected goal involvement over, over the last six game weeks, just behind Kane in terms of for forwards. And for whatever reason, he's just kind of pulled out of nowhere. <laughs> and, um, you know, Norwich are finally showing some fight. Like, I'd back them to stay up more than I would with Burnley. Now the sack Dyche, of course, and Watford, who looked absolutely terrible and again had a heartbreaking last minute loss. Like some signs of life under Dean Smith. He's come out of his fantasy world and he's uh, marshaled his uh, finish forward to actually be able to finish back to back nine pointers for Timu. And it's not it's not the worst few kind of games it's not the best running of course they've got Newcastle up next and I think I've got a player on the other side in Chris Wood but you know, 35 Aston Villa away the, the 36 double is again it's not bad West Ham whose eye is going to be completely on the Europa League and Leicester whose eye is going to be pretty much completely on the, the Europa Conference League 
it could actually be quite a fruitful kind of period to have Puki, Puki in as your number two striker. Like he is the one that I, as I said, will be looking to move Wood on to, I think. It's just whether you probably want him now. I'm not sure I would. I think I want another midfielder or another defender playing in that spot. So I think he's a player to kind of you know, look at, acknowledge that he's there, but keep on the boil for now. Like if you're wild carding and you're able to kind of structure your team to have him being your first sub, for example, absolutely fine. If you if you're in a situation where you don't have your bench boost anymore or something like that, and money doesn't really matter to you, then that's absolutely cool and fine. For me, it's just a little bit too expensive for, to be kind of held as the first sub, which is why I ultimately went for Wood for the next couple of games. But I mean, Pookie, I think at the moment is the one that's going to eventually come in. Um, and the team this week that they well ran very very close, uh, we haven't mentioned at all oddly and they have a double this week coming up but it's united harry i mean very limp versus norwich they limped over the line and they're fourth from bottom for expected goals from open play over the last six game weeks and it was three kind of typical ronaldo chances pretty much in terms of the goals scored obviously the free kick accepted they feel like i don't buy don't sell to me um, and they definitely feel like a sell pretty soon i mean I feel like they're kind of the classic case of a club who's on the beach to some extent. Season has pretty much gone from them, I think. Um, it sounds like Ten Hag's going to be appointed very soon. How do you view those players? I've got no interest in buying in United player. I think I'm just, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that one. How do you view them? Yeah, again, I, I think I agree. It's don't buy, don't sell with the assets that you've got. I think we're lucky. We got quite fortunate on Ronaldo for his hat-trick against Norwich. But I think we need to understand that it didn't do well just because it was a double game week. It was a very good fixture, probably the best fixture that we could have asked for in that double. And now they are away at Arsenal. Yes, they've been a bit more leaky defensively. And then Chelsea at home, you can't see it going crazily well for your Manchester United assets on the, over that. Again, I'd probably prioritise your Chelsea assets over them. If you're bringing in Manchester United assets, it's likely that you're taking minus fours to go and get them. Yes, they play Brentford at home in game week 35 afterwards, but I don't think you're really wanting to keep these, these guys long-term. And with the budget that they take up in our team, I think that's the, the another thing. You're replacing the likes of Son and Kane and Salah and De Bruyne in your teams for the likes of Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes, which makes it even more difficult to go and buy into. Now, if you're on a wild card, it's slightly more difficult because... I'm not bring, taking a hit to bring them in and I can structure my team well enough to go and have them. But I know that I want to sell them pretty much straight away afterwards. And do I expect enough from them in game week 34 to worth owning them? The answer for me at the moment is no. I have no Manchester United assets in any of the wildcard drafts that I've put mm. together so far. I tried squeezing in Elanga over like Gordon, who was my cheap midfielder, but I can't see Elanga starting both of those games despite him playing probably better than some of those other forwards recently. So again, with the budget that they're taking up, when you look at some of those other fixtures, Liverpool at home to Everton, you've got Tottenham away at Brentford, you've got Manchester City at home to Watford. I could just easily see when we look at the points after game week 34, Fernandes and Ronaldo being outscored by a handful of options from all those other teams as well. So I think my answer is don't get rose-tinted glasses based off a 3-2 scraping past Norwich, Norwich. <laughs> to think that they are suddenly going to be great assets going into a double of Arsenal and Chelsea. I think one 
to just mention here, but I think we'll park it for this particular podcast is Aston Villa, who are going to be coming into focus very soon. I've got Leicester this week after the blank, obviously, uh, the game week that we're in the middle of. But after they've got Norwich in 35, Burnley and Liverpool in 36 double, and then Burnley uh, and then Crystal Palace and Burnley again in 37. And that potentially could be one which is we're going to have the same discussion again of, okay, they're on the beach, almost definitely on the beach. Their season's pretty much over, but they've got fixtures. So I don't think this is going to be something which dies a death quite yet. I think we'll still be looking at players like Coutinho, for example, who's fourth and non XGI of the last six game weeks amongst midfielders and saying, well, hey, you know, there's still signs of life. Maybe he's individually motivated to be trying to uh, secure a move to Birmingham and um, all the delights thereof. Speaking of Birmingham, just to mention, obviously, Benny Blanco um, and uh, North versus South at game week 39. Uh, Harry is going to be representing South for that. That is the, the weekend after game week 38 in the official FPL calendar of course but up in Birmingham 28th and at Benny underscore Blanco 40 or GW39 North versus South versus being vs.co.uk all proceeds from that go to Street Charles United um, a very very worthy charity so please if you're interested in that get involved I'm sure I know there's loads of people going along to that in Birmingham I can't make it because of the family wedding um, but I'm sure it will be an amazing event and plus you can see Harry play football right that's mission over. I think we should get into the chokers very quickly because this weekend has heralded this chokers debate a little bit more. Over the last five matches, Harry, one team in terms of their expected goals have, has looked like this. Their expected goals have been 6.91. They've only scored two. Their opponents, their expected goals have been 4.46, but they've scored eight. <laughs> what team could this possibly be? <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. The Arsenal over the past few weeks, it, it's been interesting. I've looked at the sort of shot stats as well, because I've got Odegaard in my team thinking, how on earth have they not found the net over the past few? And actually, and the other team that we'll talk about is Tottenham, who've actually been on sort of the other end of the sword a little bit, where their XG has been very low, but they're still scoring a lot of chances. And I think a lot of us are looking at Spurs' asset and moving away from Arsenal. But the underlying stats would suggest that Spurs are very good finishers and that maybe that's not going to be as sustainable, whereas the Arsenal goals may start to come in. But yes, I would say Arsenal have shown with losing all of their last three games that they may be finding themselves in that chokers category with the injuries to Tierney and Party. They're really struggling to know what structure to play. Is Xhaka best in the midfield? Or do they put him at left back? But if they're in, if he's in the midfield where he's best placed, that means that Tavares has to play on the left back side, which has definitely not proved a good option. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are looking to move away from their Manchester, from their Arsenal assets, given they play Manchester United this week as well. I don't think that's a particularly bad fixture. I wouldn't be worried about playing Saka in this again with the chances they're creating. If that chance against Fraser Forster goes in from Martinelli to Saka. It's a whole different level of conversation because they've probably gone to win the game rather than chasing it for a lot of it. I don't think it's as big an issue, but I think from a defensive point of view, I think the likes of Ben White, the likes of Ramsdale, it is difficult to see that many clean sheets for Arsenal given those two big defensive injuries that they've got. I think if you're winning games, it'll be more three twos than the one nils that we've maybe seen so far. You've got both Martinelli and Saka. You're looking to move Barnes on this week. Are you 
looking to move your Arsenal assets in as well. Martinelli is such good value as well. He's currently in my wildcard team. Yeah, no, it's, it's difficult to do. Um, I, I think I'm going to leave Ramsdale now. Did you know the last time he actually scored a save point, so not made a save, but scored a save point, was game week 29. Yeah, yeah, back in March. So he he hasn't kept a, he hasn't scored a save point for ages. Like an erstwhile save machine, now just a two or one point machine, which isn't particularly good. We've been we've been allowing less shots on target, which is probably a good thing. But it means that his kind of points production has also gone down a little bit. Um, <clears throat> as you said, Martinelli, fantastic value with five point three. But he and Saka really, really like in in a lot of worlds they score pretty big against Southampton. Really inspired performance, I said from Fraser Ford who was absolutely everywhere playing for his new contract hey motivation means that I, I'm probably not going to be selling either of those guys anytime soon we still have the fixtures obviously to come we've got Man United this week which is obviously not the best game in the world but 35 West Ham and then we've got the 36 double which isn't amazing but at the end of the day these are the players that we're going to be relying on and at the end of the day we've got the underlying data to make it worth it so Bridge Amateur actually did ask is it worth dropping Saka and the likes of Kulisevsky as well at Spurs the likes of Mount and Havers I just wonder Really, uh, with, with with these, I know we've lost three in a row. There have been mitigating circumstances with the big injuries. Uh, are we chokers or have events just conspired against us to mean um, that we've ended up in the situation that we're in? The thing with Arsenal is that there's no rotation risk there, right? I'd be surprised if Saka doesn't start every single game between now and the end of the season, which is so valuable at this time when we are talking about City with Champions League, Liverpool with Champions League, Chelsea with their FA Cup, Leicester not knowing what to do with those. Knowing that Martinelli and Saka will be benched for a maximum of one game between now and the season, that's got to account for something and that's got to be weighted pretty positively. That yes, Chelsea may have more fixtures, but how many of those are those assets going to play? Whereas the Arsenal guys, they're doubling 36 of Leeds at home is great. And then away at Tottenham, anything can happen in a North London derby. So I would still probably keep if I have the likes of Saka and Martinelli because we know they're going to play. Newcastle in 37, Everton in 38 could be a great couple of games if things are still down to the wire for that top four race. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm more happy to, in the hierarchy of sales, the likes of Harvey Barnes are higher in the hierarchy of sales to me than Saka and Kulosevsky. I think I would probably, I think I'd sell Kulosevsky over Saka. I mean, you, you did obviously mention that Spurs are outperforming their numbers. There's one reason for that. It's Son Heung-min, basically. He's an amazing finisher. That's why they are where they are. Kane hasn't scored for a few game weeks now, and it has just been Son doing Son things. But yeah, there we go. I mean, there, there are a few wildcard drafts kind of to start to steer us towards the end, floating around in terms of this, that don't have any Spurs players in. And obviously, it's a case of wondering whether people are throwing the baby out of the bathwater, Harry. But it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean... If in any drafts that you've done, have you gone without Kane or gone without at least Son or something like that? So my wildcard drafts, I'm still pretty confident that one of Kane or Son will be in in my wildcard. I still think that their fixtures of Brentford, Leicester, Burnley, Norwich are too good to ignore. Yes, the Dublin 36 is difficult with Liverpool and Arsenal, but Kane or Son, I definitely want one of those. Yes, I'm trying to push rank, but I also need to be realistic with how highly earned these guys are and if they continue to win 3-4-0 and overperform every week and I don't own any of them on my wild card, I'm only going to go backwards. So I don't plan on doubling up on them. But Kulisevsky then offers just such, such good value at 6.2. 
It's a bit like Martinelli as well. And on my wild card, which is currently up on screen, and I'll read it out for, for podcast listeners, I've got such a big defence that I need to know where some of these value picks are coming from so that I can afford it. So my wild card team, now bear in mind, I've got my bench boost playing game week 36. I've got Schmeichel and Foster in goal. So Schmeichel, the only one we talked about at Leicester who's likely to start sort of all games. Then I have Foster who has a double of Crystal Palace and Everton. It's fine for his price. My defence is where it all comes together. At the moment, I've got Cancelo, Trent, Rudiger, Alonso, Robertson. So a massive five premium defence, which is I really think is a good yeah. way to structure it. No Reese James, but could easily find money to go Rudiger to Reese or Alonso up to Reese. The midfield comes in with Salah, Stays, Mason Mount in there for the Chelsea. Then I've got Kulisevsky and Martinelli because, again, I think if I'm trying to save money to go for the likes of that big defence to play every week, I think Martinelli and Kulisevsky are great options. Then up front, I've got Kane. I've then gone with Timo Puki, and then a name who I never thought I would have to own again in Emmanuel Dennis has found his way into Boy. my latest dream. Just that Crystal Palace and Everton double, Burnley as well in game week 35. Those three games, are, yes, I think Watford are likely to be going down. But those three games, if they're ever going to find a way to stay up, it's by winning those three matches. Looked pretty good. Well, he finished it, his chance pretty well in game week 33. Yep. It's just that double, trying to find a little bit of upside with him. He'll sit on my bench most weeks. But again, it's just, I've thrown all my money into my defence. I've found a few budget players to go around them that I think can rotate quite well, that also strengthens a pretty good bench boost at the moment, which has 14 doublers plus Cancelo. I don't know what you think of this, but it's a big value defence here at the moment. Yeah, I think that's the way I do it as well. Trent Robertson, Liverpool double up, Chelsea double up, and a Man City defender that's very good. I think you just need to think about, I guess you'd say you, you transition off Mount, wouldn't you, to a Foden or something in game week uh, 36, did you say? 35, 36? Yeah, 36 um, probably. And another way of doing it could be that you just don't go to Dennis and go with Mateta at Palace, 5.3. I mean, they've got the double in 37 at least so you, you you probably would have you know what another single game week player but that single was against Watford at home so it wouldn't be the worst single game week player in the world and plus you free up a little bit of money um so that could be yeah. you're at 0.1 at the moment planning on a free hit 37 so again okay. just trying to if I downgraded Dennis it would probably be to Jao Pedro again for the double that, that Watford do have um seems to be playing most games now yeah. so but is Mateta actually a better option with one game? Quite possibly. Maybe. I mean, you could even go off the wall, couldn't you? And Because you know that Son's got a higher ownership than Kane does now. So you could say, for example, right, I'm going to go with Werner again and get rid of Mount for Son, go that way around. And um, yeah, no, I, th- I think that this is a pretty good standard wildcard if you're being safe and um, being secure where you are. I mean, have you done, I suppose maybe we'll, we'll, the course of the, the, the rest of this game week may kind of influence this a little bit, but it feels to me like that's the sort of team you'd logically pick. Because I remember at the start of the season, obviously, kind of early doors, when you were doing your wild card, you were tinkering like every day, every hour, every minute. But with this one, it, it doesn't feel that way, does it? Like I look at that wild card and think, yeah, that's that's pretty much, you're pretty much done and, until at least Friday or until more information comes in. I mean, what are your key sort of questions that you're asking yourself at the moment? For me, the key questions is who the three Chelsea I want are. I have drafted a couple of drafts that have Mendy in goal because I think he's going to play every game and I think he's much more sure than any of our defenders so 
Yes, and then my argument against is, but he's only scoring six points if we ever do keep a clean sheet and he's six million for a goalkeeper. Is it really worth it? The other player that's really up for debate for me here, I've got Martinelli. And actually, when I look at my team over the next few weeks and who I plan on starting, he's not going to start in game week 34 or game week 35 for me because I'll probably play Pookie this week at home to Newcastle. And then I might chance it on Dennis at home to Burnley in game week 35, just again for a big game that's got a lot of importance. So I could downgrade Martinelli. And the other one is Kulisevsky. I don't know whether I need a double Spurs and attack. Could I go Son there and, and do something else like Richarlison up front instead of Kane and Kulisevsky, for example, could be the way that I go. So those yeah. are a few things, but I'm pretty set on the five at the back. I'm pretty set on keeping Salah. So it's mainly... Martinelli, Kane and Kudasevsky that um, that I'm looking at really. But I don't see that much changing unless City get a double in 36. But I think I'll likely just use transfers to get to that. Yeah, I think it'd be fine. There's always kind of Martinelli to Dewsbury Hall and having 0.1 million sat in the bank for extra flexibility or something like that that you could do. Obviously, you've got to maybe maybe think about Villa at some point as well. Maybe think about a plan for Coutinho because I think his EO is going to explode at some point or another you're free hitting 37 aren't you anyway so you should you should be absolutely fine there with everything but you know, very uh very strong end of season you can just kind of park that big at the back and just kind of tinker with the debt chairs on titanic in terms of those sort of mid-price mids and stuff while keeping the likes of kane and salah just just fixed which is no, that looks good to me i like that as for me, I'm still really not too sure what I'm going to do. Before the double game it was announced, I was really looking at rolling it. Um, now I think I need to probably do something to uh, get another Chelsea player. I've got one moment, which is Rudiger. In terms of my lineup, I've got Ramsdale in goal, uh, Laporte, Robertson, Trent, Rudiger at the back four. Barnes is still there. I think he is likely to go this week. Uh, Salah, who's got my armband at the moment. Um, Saka and Kulisevsky. And up front, I've got Chris Wood and Harry Kane. Um, on the bench, I've got Martinelli first bench, I think, this week. Uh, Breuer and uh, Luca Dean still hanging around. They're still limping on like a cockroach with three legs that have been pulled off. But they never die, did they? They never die. He's still in my team. I think it's going to be very difficult. Like, if you look at it and you take the Matthew Jones, all right, get rid of the weakest link. It would be getting rid of Luca Dean the problem is is that I can't really replace him uh, with a Chelsea player I've got no, no money in the bank I also can't really replace Barnes uh, with a player that I, that I want the key to getting um, a decent midfielder in for Barnes decent being Foden or Mount is selling Robertson uh, to an Alonso or Thiago Silva if I did Robertson to James then I'd have about 7.4 million I think it is so I can't even afford kind of a Hail Mary on Grealish it would be a Bernardo Silva purchase if I was going to go for that or I don't know I don't even know who who in Chelsea like Jorginho or something like that you know it's it's really is that level um so I'm, I'm not too sure where I am at the moment it would be Robertson to Alonso and Barnes to either Foden or Mount and the new the income will probably get the captain's armband so I do quite like especially given where my rank is the idea of going with a Foden against Watford and hoping that he absolutely explodes I think it's probably the sort of move I've got to do I mean I'd love a Mares or I'd love like a Sterling for that game but that's just going to be a bit impossible to get to but hey um lots of this game weeks ago yeah and maybe the solution will present itself obviously i don't wish injury on anybody um but maybe i'll get something that i need to fix as the rest of this game week comes to a final uh conclusion cool right well that's where we stand at the moment i think that's your lot for this week yeah hopefully some wild card 
talk for anyone who's held it as long as me and finally looking to play or those of you looking to maybe just go on a couple of Chelsea assets again captaincy for me will be decided based on how many minutes that Chelsea guys get against Arsenal and maybe if I can see one that I think is likely to start both I'll probably end up going on one of those but TBC I think a lot of it depending on what happens in the remaining game weeks remainder of this game week and any announcements we get later in this week but that is all for today thank you for listening we were who got the assist we'll be back recording next week after the palace leads game on monday night yep thanks for listening thanks for being on harry and um, advanced warning i'll be on holiday up in york i'm going for a wedding i'm sticking around for a week next week so p- poorer sound quality may well be a thing i'm afraid i'm going to carry my expensive microphone and probably take the beta one and hope for the best it'll probably be another tactical podcast just because i'm not going to have that much time to do very much because i will be on my holidays but hey speak to you then in the meantime all the best for the rest of the double game week hope this assists you if you are looking to wild card or plan for the rest of the season and speak to you very very soon goodbye Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.